Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to SSPN post-spring break. Ethan, let me start it off with that. How was your spring break? Did, Did you like the little time off? It was nice, Jude. It was definitely needed. Just had a <laughs> relaxing week at home uh, at Bernie, Texas, where I'm from. Went to a couple Spurs games, saw the uh, Indiana Pacers game on that Saturday, and saw the Greg Popovich record-breaking win uh, and that crazy comeback victory over, I'm blanking on who it was against. The Jazz. The Jazz. Yes, thank you. Thank you for saving <laughs> me. And I saw those two games. Other than that, very low-key. Uh, got some work done, but nothing special. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I was mainly just, I was working a lot, had some baseball games to cover, especially that first weekend. There were a lot of baseball tournaments. Um, And then I did a game on Tuesday. And then after that, we were pretty much wrapped up. Uh, But the rest of the week, I was hanging out with some people, but it was still, I don't know, it still felt like as soon as like, I got done with work stuff, I was doing stuff with people. And that was great. But I never Mm -hmm. felt like I got a chance to really like, just relax mm. <laughs> and like take a breath. I don't know. Definitely much needed though. I think that was, that was the big emphasis there. Like you said. Um, yeah. but anyways, I also went to a Spurs game, uh, before spring break. Um, and that was on the Wednesday before spring break against the Raptors, a disappointing game, unfortunately, mm. but you know, getting free tickets, some pretty good spot. Uh, I was like, you know what, we'll, we'll go up there and do it. And then unfortunately, you know, pop didn't break the record, but the good news is like you predicted, predicted Ethan <laughs> you were hoping they would lose to the Raptors so they could do it against the Jazz and that's exactly what happened so we'd love to see that and it's kind of an interesting point in the season now because I feel like since the record has been broken it's very much uh, a mixed bag whenever it comes to the emotions of the Spurs fans on whether or not they want to make the play in whether or not they want you know to to lose more games to get a better draft pick um yeah. because it's like you know you have a close game with Oklahoma City you win right you beat the Warriors but then you also were down like almost 41 time to the Pelicans so i think it's just a very now that 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 landmark of the Greg Popovich win record has been reached. Like a lot of Spurs fans are probably like, get the record. Okay, cool. And then there's some who are like, Hey, we might still have a chance in this play in. I think pop still wants to get into the plan. Um, that's what they were talking about on the broadcast at least. So kind of what are your thoughts on the post uh, record uh, Spurs, if you will? Well, you know, I understand both sides. Like as a Spurs fan, I will always want to compete and try and win. I never like watching a game if we know we're going to lose. And I don't think there's a single player or coach on the staff that really wants to tank. I don't think that's the mindset any of these guys have. In fact, they've really kind of ramped it up, everybody individually and as a team, trying to get you know into that playing spot. And this is where you and I both expected the team to be, right in that 10 11 range which is where they are and so I I understand both sides like wanting to win and then also wanting to maybe just lose these games now that you have the record secured in order to maybe get that next franchise level player next to a DeJounte Murray and a Keldon Johnson in this upcoming draft but there's really not a correct answer I guess dude like I wouldn't be mad if we ended up losing these games and got a high pick but I wouldn't be mad if we got into the play-in tournament won a game maybe lost the game who knows 
either way, I'm not going to be upset. Um, I guess my biggest takeaway is I don't want the team to to try and lose, if that makes sense. Like, I hope they continue to be competitive, and that's what they've shown me uh, up until this point. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you on that. I don't think I could ever just, you know, want my team to lose games, especially yeah. the Spurs team, when, like, you can go out and, I mean, granted, obviously Draymond got thrown out in that game. I watched that whole Golden State game mm-hmm. last night, um, and no Steph. But, like, you know, going out and doing that was a big thing for that team. Um, and you don't want them to not have that moment, like Keldon's celebration on that. You know, like, that's a, that was a yeah. great moment for them. Um, and, you know, you get those you're giving primo starts in a lot of these games too, you know, and he's, it seems like he's struggled a little bit with getting those more minutes, but when you watch him play, and this is just kind of down another rabbit hole, but when you watch him play, it doesn't feel like he doesn't know where he's supposed to be or what he's supposed to be doing. It just feels Mm -hmm. like he's just going through his rookie moments. Like the shots aren't falling as much, but it's not like the shot looks terrible. It's just like, okay, we're giving him more minutes and now he's, having more rookie moments because we're putting him in the starting lineup and he's matched up against, you know, guys like Clay Thompson, which in the long run is a great thing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that'll help him moving forward. But just kind of going back to that conversation of tanking versus going for the play in uh, for those of you guys who don't know, the Spurs are two and a half games back from the Los Angeles Lakers right now for that 10 spot. Um, And technically the the Pelicans as well, because they're both tied with the same record at 30 and 41. So really the Spurs are two and a half games back from the nine and the 10 seed. So it is realistic for them, you know, to to possibly make it in there. Um, But also I think that the way the Pelicans are playing right now and just the amount of stars that they have, I mean, not, you know, crazy superstars, but with the trade of CJ, I think they just have a little bit more firepower with Brandon Ingram as well. Um, obviously they're missing Zion, but I think they've yeah. got a little bit more firepower than the Spurs do necessarily right now, at least right now when it comes to experience. And then of course the Lakers still have LeBron. Um, so I just think it's going to be really tough, uh, to, to make it there, which is why people like, like our man, Javi Chavez here, appreciate you being in here. Appreciate Nick being in the comments as well is saying, um, so I see the pros and cons. I'm not really going to be mad either way. If we get a play-in game, it'll be a fun play-in game with the guys. Yeah. If we don't get the play-in game, we get a better draft pick. And here is the other key thing of all of this, Ethan. The thing is, it really doesn't, like, making the plan versus not making the plan, like, unless the Spurs just lose every game and the Thunder, Kings, and Blazers proceed to just go on a run, like at the end of the year, which is highly unlikely. That's the only way that the Spurs are really going to make a huge jump in their draft stock. And the other thing is too, why would that even be like, why do you even need to do that when you have three draft picks this year? Because when you have that lottery pick and you have the other two that are still going to be, well, it seems like that Celtics pick is creeping up, but still two first round picks, um, you know, not in at least the back half of the draft. Um, so with those, it's like you can make a move and move up anyway, yeah. even if you, you know, you, do you kind of get what I'm saying there? It's, yeah, it's I definitely counterintuitive, do. I guess. And the, the whole tank, like, I don't think that word is like correct for our situation here because there's 10 games left in the season. And just this looking is at what the I was 10 trying games, to say. Shout out to Nick. <laughs> yeah, I doubt we get into the play in anyway, is what I'm thinking, even if we're going to be competitive, because there's only four games that like just face value for there's 10 games left of those 10, only four that I'd be like, OK, those are winnable games. And three of them are against Portland and one of them is against Houston. Otherwise, they're all difficult opponents. We got Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State and Dallas. Like, I don't know, like, I can't say for any of those games. I know we just beat Golden State, but 
I wouldn't bet on the Spurs in any of those other six games necessarily. Um, so I don't think we have to try and lose. I just don't think we have a team that's good enough to make that push, especially since we're two and a half games back and LeBron James is currently playing the way that he's playing. Uh, I know people don't like the Lakers right now and they're not a good team, but they still have LeBron James. Yeah, and we don't just, have yeah. a LeBron James. So he's still probably going to to make it in that playing spot um, and will unfortunately stay around 11 or maybe even 12 if we can break that tie. Um, but yeah, good points. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you bring up a great point about the schedule. I hadn't even looked at the games we have left. So when you bring up that, it's really like, what's the point here? But, yeah. you know, you, you want them to keep going out and trying to win those games. But the I think the Spurs kind of get the best of both worlds this year because we're tanking while trying to win. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is we're which tanking is what, because we're just not very good. Like, yeah, we're not exactly we're not purposefully trying to yeah. lose. We're just not good enough. But you'd to rather win. have it that way, and especially yeah. with a you know an average roster age of twenty four. So yeah, that's another thing. And Javi, no, uh, you may have misunderstood me there. So we don't get the Celtics pick. I thought it was top four protected. Um, I'm sure it is. I was just saying that. When we traded for it, the Celtics pick was projected for number 19. And since we've made that trade and the Celtics like have got Derek White, like yeah, yeah, they they have uh, had a better year. So now it's not as, as low as it was beforehand. Um, but still, you know, a, a trade asset, definitely, um, mm-hmm. when you have three picks in the first round. Um, and so kind of with that, we can talk about where the Spurs will be in the draft lottery and then maybe get into a little bit of prospects. Um, I haven't really done a super deep dive. I know more of the big name prospects like Jaden Ivey, Paolo, Chet, um, yeah. AJ Griffin. Um, you know, the list goes on and on with a lot of the players in March Madness right now. But uh, when it comes to where our draft lottery odds would be, I'm going to go ahead and look that up because <laughs> I have not looked at any mock drafts yet this year. But I CBS assume that the Spurs Sports has us at eight. Mm-hmm. I was about to say the eight, nine kind of area. That's where I've seen us too. Eight through 10 is like well, most people have this projected. So a little bit higher than we've had these past couple of years with Vassell mm-hmm. and, uh, and Lonnie and, and Luca <laughs> and Primo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Luca. Did y'all see that Luca got cut by the net, uh, the Knicks? Oh, he did. No yeah. Way. So I oh. think the plan is this off season, whatever money we have, we just give him it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Why not? I, I think we get it back. You know. Um, but anyways, yeah. So this website has the Spurs at number eight. So it's going to be around that eight to nine to ten range, kind of like you said. Um, some players that I'm just seeing here. Uh, there's a chance maybe Jalen Duren falls, but. There's a lot of questions with him, especially the way he's been playing in the tournament. Um, maybe some guys yeah. like Jaden Hardy uh, from the G League, um, Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky. Obviously, the Spurs don't want <laughs> really we don't want more guards. Yeah. Um, but when you're just looking at some of the names here on this list, that's kind of who we're thinking about. Maybe a Keegan Murray. That was somebody who the Spurs were interested in. He had a really iffy game against uh, Richmond. I watched that one live. Um, some other ones that could maybe fall, uh, Benedict Martherin, um, Matherin, uh, maybe completely butchering his last name. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp is somebody else that I've seen uh, connected to the Spurs. Mm. Um, so really the only big is kind of Jalen Duren. Yeah. That's kind of going to be in that area. Let me ask you a question, Jude. Mm-hmm. If we get to that eighth pick and let's say all the big name big guys are gone, like a Jalen, Paolo, Jabari, Chet, obviously – all of them off the board, 
and it's like a bunch of guards. And then if we were to take like a power forward center, which is really what we need, it'd be a reach. It would be kind of a reach. Would you rather, since we have three picks, just like draft the best player available at that point and then just get a big like at 18 or 17 or 23, wherever we are with the Boston and Toronto picks? Or do you would you rather us just like reach, say like, screw it, like let's make sure we get a big in this draft because that's what we need? What I would do, ideally, is I would trade for somebody. I would use these picks to trade for a big that is yeah. a little bit more established and might have a little bit you know, yeah, more have anybody potential. in mind? I was, try- I was thinking on the same lines as you earlier today, and I was trying to figure out a name. That's the only problem, yeah. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want to, at this point, John, I don't really want a John Collins type player. If I'm going to trade, like, two firsts. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't want, like, a that caliber player. I'd want a guy that's at least been an all-star before, mm-hmm. like a Sabonis, but he's gone already. He's Yeah, and that doesn't look very good either with the way no. the Kings have been playing. Well, that's the Kings. Yeah. I, don't, I don't blame yeah. Zab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the Kings. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because me and some friends were having the same conversation this weekend, and I, f- I think we came up with the name, but I can't remember it right mm-hmm. now. But... That that's kind of what I'd like to do, regardless with with those picks, is just trade for somebody that can get Dejounte some help. And you know, maybe those picks aren't enough, or maybe you have to throw somebody else in there um, to make it happen. That brings me to my next question yes. for you, Jude. What is it? <laughs> if we can get a big man in this draft, possibly a Duran, who knows what we end up doing? Would you be willing to trade a Jakob Pertle? at that point or would you rather maybe have Jakob start and have our our lottery pick center back him up and move Collins to like the four spot off the bench or something like that or would you rather just move Jakob and say you know what screw it we're going through this rebuild completely uh we'll let Collins back up our young star get something back for Pirtle while he's still valuable because I don't think Pirtle wants to back up anybody in my opinion I don't I don't think he would be willing to move back to the bench that's a really good point because with all of the yeah with all of the recognition he's got this year and he mm-hmm. knows in his agent is probably telling him like bro you can go get 15 million I mean or or yeah. 18 million there will probably be some places that will kind of pay him in between 20 to 15 million uh yeah. for what he does to start right yeah and so and he's going to be better than whoever we draft at, at least initially like for sure mm-hmm you know, I don't want to do either of those, but I think, right. you know, when you're talking about it, it feels like that we're going to have to. So this is such a tough question, but I think we need somebody more than uh, we need somebody more athletic like than Jakob. Yeah. To win a championship. I would love to keep Jakob and play him off the bench or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I I'm or we need a four with... next to him. Like, yeah, if we I think he can start and be on a championship team, but you're going to have to have another like super dynamic big next to him. Yeah, there there are some fours that can play like the three also that are like six eight in this draft that we could take a yeah, look at like a Keegan like, Murray and a Pat a Kendall Kendall Brown maybe trading um, up. I don't know if Jabari Smith is even anywhere near the possibility there. That might seem crazy to some of y'all. I think he's top three. Yeah, yeah, he's not, yeah. he's at number two on this draft. So I don't even know if there's any possibility that you could move up and do that. Um, uh, there there's Paolo too. Mm-hmm. That would be maybe a little bit more realistic, but I still think at the end of the day it, he's going to go top four. Your LSU guy, Tari Eason. Tari Eason. Tari Eason would be he would be nice, but he would be nice a little bit later 
Yeah, he, he's at 18 on this, so we could maybe get him with that second, that Toronto pick. I'd be fine with that. I love Tari, especially just because he's a Tiger. But in all honesty, I don't think that his play style would be... Really? He's not, no. He In the, in the NBA, he's at best... I mean, maybe he becomes a starter in his career, but I think he's kind of just what he was at LSU. In all honesty, he's an energizer off the bench, kind of. He's similar to like he's like imagine Josh Richardson as like a four. Okay. Like that type of you know what I mean? Like he can guard you know multiple positions, and so, he can kind of stretch the floor. Yeah. But um, so if you have him, Jaden Hardy, and Patrick Baldwin Jr. all on the board still at that second, like seventeen, eighteenth pick, you take somebody else take the ladder i don't know so the other thing is too that i didn't even mention about through all of this is you can draft the best player available and still trade him yeah you could and that and that might be the best move too because then you can get you know the most value out of your asset especially if somebody falls and say like for whatever reason obviously this is unrealistic but say for whatever reason Jaden ivy falls to number eight like you take him if you're the spurs and mm-hmm. i don't know maybe you even Maybe you even keep him and trade somebody else, like because he's a really good player, and I know there's all these guards, but um, and that would be a definitely. I don't know. I don't think that would be a good fit. Honestly, I don't think that mm-hmm. would be a good fit on the team. The more I think about it, um, obviously Jaden has a much higher potential than Derek White, but I just think that we've kind of seen how the repetitive, not elite shooting guards work out together in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other ramble. The point is, if you take somebody like that. Then, or if you have somebody on the board like that, then you do it, and then you can make a sign sign and trade for an asset, um, and trade them on draft night. So I think a lot of this, uh, just throughout this conversation, is trades. That's that's what I feel like. And I just don't feel like we're gonna draft all three of those dudes. I've said this before on the show, but like, mm. I don't I don't think the roster numbers do not work out unless we're just gonna cut somebody. Yeah, if we do, that means we're probably moving off of Jakob and Lonnie, and then maybe even one more guy, mm-hmm. like like a Wheezy, unfortunately, or a, or a um, who am I thinking of? A Doug McDermott could be on the block too. Yeah, unfortunately, I know he's only been here for one year, but he's a, he's an older guy. He's a pretty pretty decent contract for what he can provide a team. I, think I really like him on this team, but he's he's a valuable asset. And I think this year, the way that he played off the ball, the way that he shot. Mm-hmm. very attractive for like a team like the Lakers or something. Yeah. So. I'd like to keep him, but it's like at, at a certain point, like you said, if we, especially if we draft all three guys and keep them on our team, like who's getting minutes? Like, are we going to send all three first round picks to the G league? Like really, mm-hmm. is, that, is that really what we're about to do? So here's something else that I kind of want to talk about. And this is kind of another overhanging thing that probably hasn't been talked about too much, but it's been coming out a lot more specifically from Mark Stein. If y'all know who Mark Stein is, he's a longtime NBA reporter. Um, we used to work for ESPN, now works at the New York Times. Now he has his own sub stack where it's kind of like premium content from the sources that he has around the league. And what he's hearing is that there's, I mean, well, you know, we don't know with with everything that, that could potentially happen. Um, but point is, there is some interest, and there's another team. I just saw this on Twitter. I can't remember. But the point is, Quinn Snyder, San Antonio Spurs smoke. There's more of it than we've heard in a very long mm. time. And Pop has the record. Earlier, Mark Stein, so he's reported both of these. And this was like a couple weeks back, I want to say. He reported that Pop was leaning towards staying. Since then... 
it's he's reported more about Quinn Snyder in San Antonio. And for those of you guys who don't know, we may have mentioned this on the show before. Quinn Snyder got his start with the Austin Toros. Um, you know, obviously he's built that Jazz team up was an assistant coach with the Spurs. So you know, a homegrown Spurs prop protege, right? Mm-hmm. He's been away for a while, but he is. I mean, just like a Taylor Jenkins, um, uh, a James Borrego, and Ime Udoka. All those guys, you know, came through yeah. that same sort of coaching tree under Pop. And, you know, being in Utah, it seems like he's definitely uh, more of a small market, kind of down to earth, go to a big necessarily LS. The interesting part, because that's actually the contender. It's the Spurs and the Lakers are the two teams mm. that have been mentioned next to Quinn Snyder. And it really seems like he's actually, the, I think the more interesting part of this entire development is the fact that he wants to leave the Jazz. Yeah. That's the craziest part because the Jazz have just been a cons- I mean, yes, they've had their playoff struggles. They've consistently choked in the playoffs and they've been like the regular season champs. But at the same time, they've been consistently, you know, a, a top three seed in the West for a long time. Mm-hmm. So if Quinn Snyder takes over, you know, his vision may change things up a little bit. Maybe he wants to trade for somebody or maybe he wants to. He's like, I don't think that any of this is going to work. Let's trade Keldon. Like, you know what I mean? So I just think that that's something else to kind of pay attention to because if he ends up becoming the head coach, I mean, maybe it's not that much of a drastic change, but I have a feeling it's still going to be a different vision for the team. Yeah. Wow. I never even thought about him leaving the Jazz, but wow. Let me get this up so I can like at least maybe read it better or confirm it. And that's what I probably should have put, honestly, as the headline of this episode because this is kind of the biggest – like I, it's I all speculative. Like but. I would get the Jazz like not wanting him to come back or something, like, especially if he doesn't. Like, if he's a first round exit this mm-hmm. off season, like I don't think it's his fault. But you're right. Like they've consistently done very well in the regular season and then done absolutely nothing in the playoffs. Um, and unfortunately, in the modern NBA, it's like all right, you had four years and you didn't get past the. Uh, the Western Conference Finals, or even get to the Western Conference Finals for that matter. So you're out of here, despite being a Coach of the Year candidate almost every season. Um, yep. That would just make sense in the modern-day NBA. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, and especially with the way the Lakers season has gone, uh, it would yeah. make sense that they would want to replace Frank Vogel. Um, but I actually just found the somebody put a screenshot up on Twitter um, from the article. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. So... Yet as the playoffs draw near with the Jazz mired in the fourth slot in the West since January 17th and having convinced few NBA observers over the course of the season that they are headed for a long-awaited postseason breakthrough, no one in Salt Lake City has league insiders musing about his future like Coach Quinn Snyder. In discussions with numerous officials from rival teams in recent weeks, I've heard questions raised repeatedly about how much longer Snyder, now in his eighth season, will remain there. As covered in my previous This Week in Basketball column, and this is what I mentioned earlier, Snyder has been increasingly mentioned as a potential target for San Antonio to secede Greg Popovich. I've likewise heard Snyder's name posed as a probable Los Angeles Lakers candidate should the Lakers and Frank Vogels part ways after what has been a nightmare season in Hollywood. Um, But I think the other interesting, yes, the Lakers are appearing as a contender, but the interesting thing was, like he mentioned, Two weeks ago, he first mentioned the Spurs, and that was when all of this Quinn Sider smoke started to happen. The first team that was mentioned was the Spurs. So once again, we'll have to see all of this play out, and nothing's guaranteed. But I think it's interesting that that's the first team that came up. Um, 
in once again, this same kind of scenario that like you just mentioned, Ethan, basically what he wrote in that first paragraph about them being in the four seed and nobody really expecting a playoff breakthrough, it kind of does make sense because it's like they've ran their eight seasons, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like I don't mean to make this comparison but it's like brian kelly leaving notre dame for lsu and i know that college basketball and the nba are very different but you know they went to the playoff multiple different times and they could never beat alabama you know they'd have 10 win seasons but you know they couldn't get over that hump that they wanted to you know being a national championship contender or in this case Mm -hmm. like quinn snyder hasn't been able to get over the hump being an nba champion yeah winning a championship in the nba so I think it would be obviously it'd be a different move if he went from the Jazz to the Spurs because it'd be from like a winning team to a rebuilding team. Um, mm-hmm. But still, you know, kind of that same idea of yes, they've had success, but we kind of know how this story ends. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Quinn Snyder, I'm looking at the Lakers, a dysfunctional organization with an aging superstar, a guy like Russell Westbrook. They're trying to move off of LeBron's leaving. Like yeah, he's yeah. going to go wherever Bronny goes. He said that. Like. And or, which means AD isn't guaranteed to stay there. That's true. Or the Spurs, a young team. Obviously, their culture is set because of Greg Popovich and RC Buford, it. and he knows. Yeah, he knows everybody there, and you know he can kind of put his stamp on the next generation, the next dynasty, if you will. Really, when you look at the future of the rosters, the Spurs have way more talent than the Lakers. Like when it yeah. comes to young talent, right? Yeah, like yeah, you have talent, what? Yeah. On the Lakers, you have. Malik Monk and THT. You can, I guess you want to throw AD in there. You can, but I don't know. Yeah. He's really injury plagued. Well, at this point. how old is he now? 20, 27, 28? It might be even. No, he's not 30, is he? Yeah, Let me look no, it up. There's no way he's 30. But the like THT and Malik Monk are like 24, 25, right? 29. Yeah. Just turned 29, in fact. Yeah. So when you look at the young talent and the potential. Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves. Thank you, <laughs> okay. Man. That's that you needed. This is, this is a for sure mention. Shout out to Austin Reeves. I remember watching him at Wichita state when he was kind of replacing Ron Baker. Then he transferred to Oklahoma, did a lot of work in the big 12. Um, and now he's getting Heck buckets yeah. in the NBA. So shout out to Austin Reeves. Um, that's another one. So, right. You've got those three guys, but then it's like on the Spurs, you got Devin Vassell, Josh Primo, Keldon Johnson, DeJounte All-star Murray. DeJounte Murray. Yeah. yeah, DeJounte Murray. Like, if you're, like, trying to build a franchise moving forward, you're actually going to have yeah. a faster start in San Antonio. And once Three again— Three first-round picks. <laughs> and the other thing, those are the two places he's never been an L.A. guy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you don't t- take up that chance. Maybe you, you know, you don't—you just can't turn down the offer to be the Lakers. Maybe they offer him something, you know, that's just life-changing. And he feels yeah. like— you know, I want to be the Showtime coach. This is just a, such a historic franchise. I'm going to be on all the TNT. Like, there's a lot of appeal to it. You get a lot of, you can get a lot more sponsorship deals out there. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I get it. I get he, you. There's definitely an appeal, but also, he's only been in Salt Lake City and like San Antonio. Like, you know what I'm like? What? Those are two very small market teams. And watching Quinn Snyder on the sideline, I don't think he's really like the most glitz and glamour guy. I've heard his press conferences as well. I don't know. That doesn't seem like an, an, an L.A. fit to me, unless he's from California, and I don't know, which I'm going to look up right now. Yeah. Spurs has a better job security. Yeah. Okay, my man is from Mercer Island, Washington. Oh, big Spurs fan. Big Spurs fan. Yeah, and then played at Duke. So, okay, and so he has also coached for – he did coach for the Clippers. That was actually his first um, assistant job. Uh, I don't think then, he ever was an actual assistant for the Spurs. I think he was only yep. the Toros coach. 
You're absolutely right. I'm checking that out right now. Um, but he was the D-League Coach of the Year in 2009 mm-hmm. with the Toros. Um, yeah. And spent three seasons there before. He was, an, he was an assistant with the Lakers in 2011 and 2012. So he's been in Los Angeles twice. That is something that I didn't know. Um, but he has spent just the, just uh, he spent more time actually in San, in Austin in the San Antonio Spurs organization than he has with the Clippers and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Spent three seasons with the Toros and two seasons individually with the Lakers and Clippers as an assistant. And then he was also on the 2013-2014 Atlanta Hawks team coached by Mike Budenholzer as an assistant. So that's another Spurs connection there. Um, so even though it wasn't the Spurs, it was Mike Budenholzer, Pop protege. So that was the season where he said Pop is the real coach of the year. Hmm. Look at that. Interesting, interesting uh, storylines, Jude. Something to look out for, for sure. Very interesting. Very. Interesting. Any other any other Spurs news in in recent weeks? Anything about players? Oh, Jay Rich. We should talk yeah, about Jay say, Rich. We should talk about Jay Rich. Yeah. <laughs> I watched yeah. that game last night, man. I love watching him play. And I think what Pop said is exactly right. He brings a little bit of nasty. He's I mean, he's very confident as a shooter. Um mm-hmm. he can score at all three levels, but really just his off ball presence. Uh last night when it was down to the wire, there was a play DeJounte was driving inside. And our man Jay Rich was just, he was just on the corner ready in the right spot. It was kind of a little deep too, but I was just like, man, like, and I don't mean to say this because we know, y'all know I love Derek White, but I was just watching and I was like, this is, this is why like we made that trade because now we have the spacing to where Mm -hmm. DeJounte can clear out and drive and we can have Primo in the corner and Josh Richardson on the wing which allows for one of those guys to be open because of the attention that they draw as shooters. And it was just like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> and he, but I like what he does too. He knows his role. Like, yes, if you look at the stats, oh, he only scored last night, 25, one and two, but it's like, that's all he needed to do. He literally just needed to be an off ball shooter and make shots. So I love Josh Richardson. Um, I hope that we can renegotiate maybe a contract. Well, actually we did. So he's going to be 12 million next year on contract for us. And I think that's pretty reasonable. Honestly, we're paying him less than Doug, and he's doing way more than Doug, in all honesty. I know Doug's hurt, but even before, like, he's a a way better defender than Doug. Like, just straight up. So, honestly, really, really like that. (laughs) Love Jay Rich. Yeah, he's he's definitely a great player. I love what he does for us um, as an off-ball shooter next to Jante and next to Devin Vassell. He doesn't need the basketball, like you said, veteran presence, all that great stuff. Um, but I was thinking about Jay Rich earlier today. I keep saying that over and over again. I've been thinking a lot about the Spurs today instead of my actual. <laughs> like I should. Uh, his best seasons were in Miami. You know when mm-hmm. he was he was like the primary ball handler there for a couple of years when they struggled after like Dwayne Wade passed his prime. That was before Jimmy got there, right? Before Jimmy Butler, but they made the playoffs. They did. I, yeah, yep. I believe they. Did. Uh, yes, they made it twice when he was there, mm-hmm. 2016 and 2018. Um, he averaged the most he ever averaged was 17 for Miami. Then he went down to 14 when he was with Philly, then 12 with Dallas, then all the way down to like nine with Boston. And people were like, what's happening with J- Josh Richardson? Why is he not being, you know, as productive anymore? And I think I might have figured it out, Jude. With Why? Miami, they play they play kind of like the Spurs where nobody really dominates the basketball. It's very free from uh, free form um, ball movement with lots of screen rolls, lots of handoffs, cuts and whatnot. So 
that allowed him to be involved in the offense, even if he wasn't going to be, you know, the primary scorer or whatever. And then he went to Philadelphia. So that went down a little bit. He became much more of a stand in the corner guy next to a Joel Embiid and a Ben Simmons, which is, you know, obviously that's what's going to happen. And then he went to Dallas and Boston with guys like Luca, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, very much ISO players. So he was basically just sitting in the corner waiting for his opportunity to knock down shots. And he's capable of more than that. Like you said, his off-ball movement, his defense, all of these things that they weren't really seeing in Dallas and Boston. So everybody was like, oh, he's washed. Let's give him to the Spurs um, and also throw in a couple picks here for Derek White. And I know Derek White's maybe a better facilitator. Um, and he's been better for their team. For for them, yes. that was a great trade for the Celtics, yes. even though Derek hasn't like gone crazy. Just They for their needed fit. somebody yeah. off the bench to be a facilitator when Marcus Smart became their, their starting point guard. That was a great move for them. And another great defender. Yes, but for San Antonio, we didn't need anybody to take the ball out of DeJounte Murray's hands. We already have DeJounte Murray, Kelvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, Joshua Primo, Trey Jones. There's not enough ball to go around. We need somebody to stand... Uh, move off ball, get open three-pointers, and and knock them down. That's something Derek White struggled with all year long, and he's finally doing that with consistency. And he's even shown you a couple flashes, Jude, of like athleticism that he's had pent up for a while. Um, I know. And Josh, Jay Rich is only 28, right? Yeah, he's yeah. not. I, I don't know if he's 28. Let me, let me I double think check. He's, I think I want to say he is 28. Yes, he is 28. He is not that old, but he still has that veteran presence. And he talks a lot of trash and he's a really funny guy. Great, great in the locker room. Everybody seems to like him. Love his Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Josh Richardson. I am so happy that we've brought him into this team. And I hope we can keep him long term, honestly, because he's one of those guys like a Danny Green that you can slide into the starting lineup that maybe doesn't play as many minutes. as He talks more crap than Danny Green. Oh, yeah. And he can put the ball on the floor way better than him. Way better than Danny Green. He's got a lot of a bag, dude, that he just hasn't been able to show on his previous couple teams. Um, but now in San Antonio, is a bargain. I don't know. Bargain. And yeah. my buddy Tanner Robertson, who's a lot of times in the comment section, he texted me the other day when Jay Rich was was going off, and he was like, is Josh Richardson just like a more affordable Lonnie Walker? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's he's not just, a bad way to put he's, it. He's better. Like, yeah, he's a better defender. He may not he's be better. as athletic, but yeah. just, like, fundamental. Like, he doesn't make as many mistakes, I guess, is a way. And he's he's way more yeah. controlled. I know Lonnie's averaged 17 points yes. a game after the All-Star break. He's played a lot better. But I don't know if Jay Rich – I think Jay Rich playing as well as he's been playing as of late is really going to hurt Lonnie's He's doing the same thing that extent. Lonnie is, is the problem. Like, he's mm-hmm. scoring 25 or 17 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, a, at a more efficient clip, too. Mm-hmm. And he's more reliable because of his track record, experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm glad you asked that uh, or brought up Lonnie because if we do give Lonnie Walker a contract, say we bring him back to just be a you know, bench scorer, whatever, what do you think? What would you offer him, Ethan? I don't think I would offer him any more than $15 million a year. And I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't go maybe two years, maybe two year, fifteen mil per year, so thirty million um, total. I wouldn't give him that third year option. I even. I even. I, mean, I don't even know if I want to give him two years, honestly. But I don't. I wouldn't go more than fifteen per year. Yeah, you know when I look at what when I look at what Doug and and what what Jay Rich specifically is making. I don't offer my man 10. 
Really? Like, like 10 was my max. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I saw something on Twitter today. But is he like, really? Like, is somebody going to offer him more than that? That's my question. We might just want to play the match game here. Yeah. Um, see if he, see if anybody offers him anything. And at the last minute, <laughs> yeah. if he still has no offers, be like, all right, here's a one-year deal, 10 mil. You get yeah. one more chance to, like, prove it. And if you're and bad, we'll trade you. Maybe make it a one-on-one one with a team option. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. But also, it's like, yeah, Primo coming up. And maybe you just want to play him as the backup, too. And have Primo, Jay Rich start. You got Trey, Jay Rich, Wee's Camp. Who knows what you do with the other... You have three picks this year. Maybe you draft two guards. Who knows? Like... And Romeo Langford, too. We haven't even talked about him. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking Romeo Langford. He's just been hurt. Yeah. He just gotta, Played gotta great of... that one game, except for shooting the three. That's the only problem. That seems to be mm-hmm. non-existent. But everything else seems to be pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not terrible, you know. But Not that terrible maybe, at all. maybe that's somebody who comes, who, like, that's a great idea, because with the Spurs development summer, I guess you could say, who knows? Maybe he takes a jump and just takes the backup three roll, kind of like Keita Bates did out of nowhere. Yeah, that's that another good. Possible. That's another guy that we don't even we yeah. haven't talked about. Yeah, is he going to be back next year? We don't know. Yeah. I mean, he had he had a really he had a great year, like he yeah. had a fantastic year. Well, I think he we can bring him back on a team option next year. I'm pretty sure we can bring him back on another minimum. And so yeah. even if we sign somebody, if we just want to bring him back for depth, I'm pretty sure we can. I'm just trying to think. Like, are we going to have space for him? It all comes down back yeah. to your. You know, it all comes back to the, the the draft picks. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And so, mm-hmm. I think one draft lottery. We'll have to see where that ends up. Um, because the other thing is, if the Spurs don't get like if they don't get called by like the seventh or eighth pick, I'm pretty sure they're like guaranteed to be in the top three. They're like one of those teams. So wow. that's so when you're watching the draft lottery, I mean, most likely, you know, it's just going to be Spurs. At, you know, seven through 10. But if that doesn't happen, that means the Spurs jump up. Um, And so this will be the highest lottery odds that we've had since we've been doing the show. Um, So we'll see what happens. But that's one to watch. And then draft night. The draft night is big to watch because that's the other thing. We could draft somebody and then there's a trade. So, but I think the other key thing to keep thinking about is those names for bigs around the league that the Spurs could potentially trade for. That, I think, is the very interesting thing. Maybe somebody, some names that I could maybe think of are like some magic people. I don't know. I was thinking Jonathan Isaac. Like Jonathan Isaac or Mo Bamba. But I don't know if that, I don't really think that that really puts the Spurs over the top. Like, I don't think no. that they're worth they're worth trading those three picks for. But not all three. Jonathan Isaac next to Pirtle at that four spot. That's dirty. I yeah, like he's that. just he's just been injury prone kind of too. Yeah. Throughout his career. Yeah. That's the only and like so 17 million, like committing to that. I don't know if that's me personally. I just don't I don't think that it's putting you over the hump for like being a kidder. And maybe you can't no. do that in one move, but just with the amount of money that the Spurs have, if you bring that on, then you don't have any money to like sign somebody else who can really be a difference maker. I think what the Spurs need to do is they need to trade everything, uh, clear the cap, sign Zach Levine, and then mm. build the roster around the Seattle duo. But don't move back to Seattle. Fair. <laughs> 
Also, the Spurs are not moving to Seattle, just by the way, because they're building a new like uh, training facility complex in Northwest San Antonio. And it's like yeah, two, over by La Cantera. Like, it's like $2 billion. So, yeah. I'm going to live really close to that. Ooh. Big fan. My lips look really red. <laughs> My friends that I was with that are Spurs fans uh, the mm-hmm. other night, they live around that area too. Hey, now. So. Spurs, of- if you need some some people to move some shit around <laughs> we're looking for jobs oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> all oh. right well i guess one other thing that i've kind of seen and also that same friend group was kind of talking about was trey jones his plays of late they weren't too happy with it i guess i'm a little bit nicer on him maybe um i like that he hit two threes last night yeah that was great to see two for three for three um but I understand that sometimes he can be a little bit out of control. Sometimes he tries to drive when really there's nothing there. Like last night he had this drive basically into a double team and didn't even draw foul and it just turned into a turnover. Um, and he really like the move that he was trying to make. It was like, that's just like, Trey, I love you. I hope you get there. But right now you're not like that. <laughs> so I don't know how to say it. Like, I don't know how else to say it. it was just an impossible move. Like it was like only like, a handful of players could make that. So what are your kind of thoughts on, on Trey Jones and his play as of late? I've liked it. I don't really see like a huge difference in what he's been doing now than what he was doing earlier in the year. Now he's just getting 21 minutes a game instead of like two. So naturally he's going to make a few mistakes. He's a second round draft pick and he's just all of a sudden being thrust into meaningful minutes. Um, but I thought he's, he's been facilitating like he has been all year long and he doesn't take bad shots. He, doesn't take the ball out of other guys hands really he's just a you know a good backup point guard at this point i don't and he's a good defender too yeah i think it's kind of like what i said about primo earlier he's just getting like significant minutes now so you're seeing a little bit more of the youth exactly because you're seeing more of him so last point from me primo what i like about primo's mistakes is they aren't because he has a lack of confidence or doesn't know where where it's it's because yeah, his mistakes are because he has way too much confidence. He's like, oh, I got this. He's like, this is going to work. And then he just makes a mistake. And it's like, all right, Primo. All right, you're not you're not there yet. But I like I like your mentality. Yeah, he's he's fine. Like, yeah. you can just see it in his face. Like, because mm-hmm. he's never phased. So yep. it, he, he'll he'll be good. Everybody goes through a shooting, shooting slump throughout the year. Um, but with that being said, uh, I think that'll wrap up today's episode of SSPN, Ethan. Do you have any you have any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Go Spurs go, baby. There you go. That's all we need to see. All right, well, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Like this video if you enjoyed today's episode. You can go ahead and follow us on Twitter to stay updated uh, with every episode announcement, all that good stuff, at Ethan underscore Quintero and at Jude McLaren. And then if you want to buy some merch or you just want to go to a hub to kind of find our content, our podcast, um, all of our videos, et cetera, et cetera, you can go ahead and head over to SpursTubeTV.com and you can find all that you need there. But with that being said, we'll catch you guys in the next one. We appreciate y'all and we'll see you later.